Father, I pray that all of us would come to the place where we realize that you are greater than anything. And so, Father, I pray that if there is anything where we're looking horizontally for that which could only be filled vertically, that you would bring that to our mind's eye right now and that we would not only see it, but we would confess it and, 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 and turn it over to you. God, may you be the greatest thing in our lives, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, New Cov. It's great to see you. Thanks for being here today. I am uh, pumped about the message today, and uh, as I would say in the, in, in the past, It'd be a sad day if it was, uh, it's, it's a mediocre message. That is not the case today. Uh, and the reason is that what we're going to talk about today, it applies to everybody in this room, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or whether you're considering it, and certainly those of us that are followers of Christ, this, uh, what we're going to look at is so important, and I'm, it's applicable. It's applicable to everybody, and so I pray that uh, that we get focused this morning. So in this, the Best is Yet to Come series, we have been talking about one particular verse that we brought up every single week, and here's why. Hebrews 2.1. So we must listen very carefully. The word listen means to, to hear with intent to act upon. So when it says, don't just merely listen to God's word, be ye doers of the word, this is addressing that. It's saying, Listen with intent to act upon. So we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard or we may drift away from. We've talked about this, that drift is a frightening word because the loss is happening imperceptibly. And we do not want to drift from the truth that is found in God's word. We're being told to intentionally and frequently anchor ourselves to God. We must listen very carefully. It's in the present tense And so it's acting upon, continuing to act upon, continuing to act upon. That's why we say timing God's word needs to be the most important thing that we do in our day. Because we listen to it and then we act upon it and we allow God's spirit to speak to us. So my prayer is that that God would wake us up if we start to drift. That God would wake me up if I start to drift. My heart desire and I think the mandate is clear biblically for for New Cov that we are to intimately know God and that's in the present tense we keep on going deeper and deeper in our walk with God and that we make him known so what does that look like and we've used this word this word simply is uh, not anything magic about it but it just encapsulates Matthew 6 33 and Matthew 28 the last uh, commission that God, that Jesus gave us. The word theopraxy, it means God practice, literally God practice. So th- look at this. God practice is a lifestyle that seeks to know Christ, to imitate him, to seek God's kingdom, and to view everything in life from God's perspective. To view everything that in life from God's perspective, it requires a desire to live in total harmony with and submission to his will, his ways, his purposes, his character, his nature, his desires, his thoughts. It's doing God's work in God's way 
in God's timing by God's enablement. Think about this. Can you imagine what would happen in your particular family if you embraced theopraxy? That whatever you faced as a family, that you would seek to, to view whatever happened from God's perspective. Can you imagine what this would look like in relationships that are broken? That instead of pulling up the drawbridge, you, you live out God's uh, care and concerns in a godly way. Or if you're addressing uh, issues that you have no control over, that you would put your hope and trust in Christ. It's doing God's work in God's way and God's timing by God's enablement. Can you imagine if you started doing it? Can you imagine if I started doing that? Can you imagine if New Cove started doing that? And when I talk about New Cove, that's you, by the way, that's me. Can you imagine what would happen to our homes, what would happen to our city, what would happen uh, to our culture, what would happen in, in, just, in just Lancaster County alone? If we started to embrace that. And this, I would hope, would be a prayer that you would just start off with every day before you even get out of bed. That you bring this up on your phone and you pray that this would that you would live a lifestyle that seeks to know Christ, to imitate him, to seek him, and to view everything from his perspective. The most effective way to know God's heart then is through consistent practice of reading and applying his word, the consistent reading and applying of God's word. So can you see what a threat this is to the evil one? Can you see what a threat it is uh, that, that you would be to the evil one? Can you see what a threat we as a church would be to the evil one if we live this way? So today what I want to do is... Uh, continue our, our discussion about the best is yet to come. And I want to share verses that inspired our founding pastor, Dr. Brett Yon and Mary, to start this church. I want to share that verse, those verses with you because they're still applicable to today and I embrace them. And I think it speaks about the future for all of us, not just New Cove as a church body, but you individually. It's found in Isaiah 43 and it's on page 724 in your seat, box, seat back pocket, uh, and it's worth finding in your, in, your passage, in your scriptures to look at it. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see I'm doing a new thing, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. This sprawling book of Isaiah was clearly written, listen to this, to suffering people who were living in a foreign land and they were under Babylonian captivity. They were far away from homeland. They were far away from traditions. They were far away from the temple. They were miles of desert separated them from anything familiar. Their spirits were crushed. Their identity was shattered. Their faith was challenged. Wow. Don't you wish we talked about something that's applicable to us? Anyone? 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 Come on, that's Ferris Bueller's teacher. 
Ben Einstein, the most boring teacher ever of economics. Anyone? Anyone? This is so, this is so exciting because many of us feel at this point, we feel that our spirits are crushed because of what has happened around us. What's happened to us, what's happened within us. Many times our identity is shattered. We just feel like we have nothing to bring to the table at all. And many of us feel that our faith is challenged because we just can't see God at work. And we wonder, where is he when we need him the most? And so this passage is talking to you and it's talking to me. And it's, it's amazing what he's going to say about this. It was a crucial time of self-examination. And the people had to decide, were they going to fall and, and, and uh, drift away from God's call in their lives? Or were they going to step up and to respond to what God was doing? He was drawing a sharp line and what he's saying is, I'm doing something new. I'm creating a path in the desert. They had the opportunity to set up a new nation in their old territory, and so do you and I. And for those of you that are not followers of Jesus, that today you would say, today I want to give my life to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us, it's saying, I want to recommit. I'm, I'll be, sign me up for another year. God is saying, don't worry about the past. Don't dwell on it. He's saying, look ahead, head up, face forward. And what I love is verse 19, and it's called a pattern interruption. Verse 19 is a, what is called a pattern interruption. So he's saying, don't dwell on the past. Don't think about all these horrible things, this foreign land that you're living in. And then he says, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, and the word spring up is an interesting word, and it means springs up. I looked at as many translations as I could, and the word was spring up, spring up, spring up, spring up, spring forth. Okay, that was a different one. Thank you, Webster. Spring up. And it's saying in this pattern eruption, in the midst of where you and I are, in the most horrible times of the grace of times, God is wanting to do something new, and it springs up. It comes out of nowhere. Oh, this is great. I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Where you look is so important. That's why, I ever, have I ever said start your day out reading God's word? If not, start your day out reading God's word. Look up where your hope is found and align your life to that which you read in Scripture. It springs up. And this, notice, I love this. Where does it spring up? It springs up in the desert. It springs up in the wasteland where you think there's no hope of life again. It's barren. It's dry. There's no road. I have no way to know where to go. Oh, my word, this, this, this pattern interruption is great. And it springs up in the desert, in the wasteland. It springs up, you're ready for this, in the mundane. So many times we think there, we keep waiting for the big moment, the big moment, the big moment, when the big moment is filled full of small moments. I've heard it put this way. Champions are only recognized in the ring. They become champions long before they enter the ring because of the habits that they have. The habit of spending time in God's word, the habit of working out, the habit of spiritual disciplines. I've heard it said, habits eat good intentions for breakfast. You can intend all you want, 
But it's the spiritual discipline, the mundane of saying, I'm going to look for where God is at work. I want to remind you of a tree where God spoke deep into my heart one year ago at this time uh, on our uh, sabbatical. I love that picture. Just stare at it. Is it up there, by the way? Yeah, okay, okay. Some of you are looking at me like, oh, can't be bored yet. That is, that is a, a beautiful picture of Isaiah springing up out of nowhere, out of this solid rock, this life that is there. And you know what I noticed when, when Karen and I saw this? I noticed the tree, not the rock. That's what God wants to do. He wants us to get our eyes off of the problem and on to him. He's doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? Can you not, are you not aware of it? It's coming. So what does that look like? What does it look like for God to spring up in your life? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven again. Uh, hard times for the Israelites. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good, not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Here it is, verse 13, conditional. I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. There are plans for your life, not just for this moment. Big plans, new plans. I read this this week, and I wrestled with it, and I agree with it, but it's a painful two sentences. Often the greatest good can only be found at the end of some very difficult stretches of road. Just because the path is tough does not make God's plan to redeem the struggles we go through any less good. And some of you are at a point of giving up. Verse 19. I'm making a way in the desert. I'm making a way in the desert, not once you get through the desert. I'm making a way where you are. He wants to change you, and it comes through a relationship with Christ. Now, I'm praying he changes all kinds of circumstances for you and for me. If prayer cards come in, uh, my prayers are somewhat circumstantially driven, except for those of you that are praying for the, to win the lottery. Now, I'll pray for you to win the lottery if you say, I promise to tithe off the winnings. That makes a difference. Hey, what are you going to do, fire me? Just saying. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit, people. Low-hanging <laughs> low fruit. 
He's making a way in the desert. Why he wants to change you? Because wherever you go, there you are. And he wants to change you from the inside out. Beauty where you are. We serve a God who turns our greatest weakness into our greatest strength. And all he asks is for us to have an open heart. Jeremiah 29. Terry, go back to that for just a second. The Jeremiah 29. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly with intent to act upon. That's what wholeheartedly means. God speak to me and I'll act upon what you say to me. Whether it's convenient or not. If you look for me wholeheartedly with intent to act upon You'll find me. I'll be found by you, says the Lord. Man, it's just act upon what he says. We, 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 I guess the biggest thing, weakness opens the way for God's power. That's Because when, when we try to do things on our own, we can impress at a distance. It's easy to impress at a distance, but you impact up close, and typically it's you impact through self revelation and and self-disclosure so perhaps you've been dwelling on the past mistakes God says forget about it I've got something better for you something new not new and improved but new in all its form and he's not going to just improve a little bit he wants to do something new he wants to repurpose you So what do we do with this? Well, theopraxy. That you simply just let your God practice drive you. Now, are we going to keep all this to ourselves? Goodness, no. And I saved this passage for last, but it's in Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. And I love the way the message paraphrase says it. So once God does something new in your life, what do you say? Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. You're here to bring out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. No God, make him known. No God, make him known. We're going public with this. He's not a secret to be kept. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No. I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you on a hilltop, now that I've done something new, now that I've brought this tree out of deadness, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. We're here to bring out the God colors, starting where you are. That God does his work in you, and you just share it. You know God, you make him known. You know God, you make him known. Let me make three obvious points. God wants to be obvious in your life. Second, God wants you to make him obvious to others. Start where you are. 
And making God obvious is our appointed call. Know him, make him known. What could be a greater, higher honor than to be chosen for the most important renewal project in the universe, the redemption of those around you? What a calling that we use our gifts, our strengths, the things that God's given us. We use it in a way to make people see Jesus in us. He's appointed you and I have been created for a God-sized assignment. We're going to have parent-child dedication at the end of the service, and this is what it's all about, creating an environment where the child, or in this case the children, they know God, they see God at work, and they don't just accept him, but they allow God to make them a uh, spokespeople for them. Now, this may sound grandiose and hyperbolic. All this, bring out the God colors in the world. But Jesus didn't rise from the dead so we could hang and hide out until the rapture. If God's call was just that, then poof, we'd be gone the second we made a commitment to Christ. He left us here on this earth. It's to know God and to make him known. Early followers of Jesus didn't attend church. They were the church. We don't want you to attend New Cove. We want you to be New Cove. So how do we respond? I think two ways. One, if you've not made a commitment to Christ, that you make your commitment to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I give you my life. And then all of us, we pray this prayer, maybe at the end of the day or after we uh, uh, start our day. May I be a living expression of your will in all all my ways. Man, you could, you, could, you could spend a week just on that phrase, that sentence. And in fact, you could say, may I be a living expression of your will in all my ways. And if, if I start to veer off that, then tap on my mind's eye. Let me be a blessing to everyone with whom I come in contact especially those that vote the way I vote. Oh, wait, that's not what it says. May I be a blessing to everyone with whom I come in contact, whether it's an encouragement to my brothers and sisters in Christ or a testimony of your greatness and glory to those who don't know you. Fill me moment by moment with your spirit, And with grace, so I might be a fountain of sweet water from which no bitter water ever spills out. Here it is, no matter how suddenly I may be jarred. Can you imagine what would happen if you began to pray that? Can you imagine what would happen if all of us began to pray that? Father, I pray 
that we would live our lives in such a way that people see Jesus in us. May we bring out the God colors beginning at home, beginning in our dorms, beginning wherever you have us. God, may, may, we bring out the, may you bring out the God colors in us. And may we live in such a way that people see Jesus in us, that it's obvious that Jesus is in us. May we make Jesus, uh, share Jesus to those who need you. And Father, I pray blessings upon our church. May we stay true and, and stay connected to making you, to knowing you and to making you known. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We have an amazing opportunity to uh, close our service, this part of our service, uh, by uh, receiving communion. And we practice open communion here at New Cub, meaning that anyone who's made a commitment to Christ, or if this morning you're making a commitment to Christ for the very first time, uh, then you are welcome to receive communion. And we'll pass it down the aisles. And uh, you take the bread and the drink and hold on to it. We'll all consume it at the same time. If you need gluten-free, just raise your hand as the uh, ushers' uh, hospitality time gets to your row, and they'll provide that as well. We don't want anyone uh, to miss out on that. And as you receive the communion, hang on to it and allow the, the lyrics and the, and the melody of this song speak to you.